0: It's a daunting task to challenge LinkedIn, Indeed, or Glassdoor, who can pretty much outrun you at every turn. If there's a way to do it, these two entrepreneurs may find it, starting with a foundational business model that is different from what's expected. Jackie and Brittany don't want to sell your data to monetize advertising. They want to go beyond the static resume or personal profile page and create a platform where you can advocate for yourself your experience and your values using video and audio storytelling so let's get to their story and learn more about ResRev. rev
1: hi listeners we are taking just a little break this month from our normal uh format and allowing early stage really early stage founders in the state to share kind of their origin story or hopefully what will become their origin story and so we have two actually with us uh today both jackie and Brittany. and i'll let them sort of introduce themselves and kick off with what it is that they're building
2: uh under ResRev. so girls take it Hi, thank you so much, Laura. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm Jackie Colehep, and our app is ResRev, software that replaces resumes with video. We like to say, it's like if LinkedIn and TikTok had a baby.
3: And I'm Brittany Beatty. Uh, Alongside Jackie, I also work with ResRev and we are actively building our application, which we are extremely excited about. Why the, why ResRev? what was that aha
2: moment
1: for, for you all? Um, and then also like, how did you meet? Like, why are you doing
2: this together? So Brittany and I have known each other for a few years now. Uh, We we met in our church's small group and really connected there. And we sort of lost touch for a couple of years, but then in February of 2020, we each started our own separate companies, but they were in a similar space. So my company was focused on helping organizations find and keep top talent. And Brittany's focus was on helping job seekers to better uh, write resumes, career coaching help just connect to meaningful work. And when we saw that we each started our own companies, we decided to reconnect and peer mentor each other. because entrepreneurship can be a very lonely journey, and so we wanted to support each other. And we had a lot of other things in common too. You know, both of our husbands mm-hmm. served in the military. Brittany's husband is still active duty Air Force, so we um, we just had a lot of commonalities. And throughout our peer mentorship and our conversations together, we continue to talk about our mutual frustrations with the recruiting and hiring plot process, and in particular the reliance on resumes um cuz Brittany was actively you know writing resumes for for job seekers and saw how frustrating it was for them just to convey their skills you know maybe they had some gap in experience or they didn't know how to specifically speak to a very translatable skill that they had for an employer and, and just felt like they needed the keys to crack this impossible code to do so. And, you know, thankfully she was able to help, but it was still just such a frustrating thing, you know, for her to, to, to see and, and to witness. And then kind of for me on my side, just seeing how challenging it is for employers to find mission aligned folks to help them carry out their vision, you know, even though, um, you, You can get a lot from a resume. You don't get the whole story. And that makes it challenging to get to the right employee faster. So we had this kind of aha moment in the summer of 2020. We saw this article about a bunch of Gen Zers getting on TikTok and creating TikTok resumes. And we thought that that was just brilliant. You know, it was this way that they were able to hack around, you know, the system instead of having to submit these, you know, impersonal paper resumes that weren't getting them noticed, they were able to create Um, these video resumes that better conveyed their knowledge and their experience and their passion for a role. And we thought, you know, everyone should be able to do this, Uh, but it should go both ways. Employers should be able to convey their company's brand and tell their story and connect to candidates sooner. So why not have it be a two-way platform where both job seekers and talent seekers are creating these videos, connecting with each other, meeting each other faster, conveying their value faster and getting to what they want. So that's kind of what led us to to start ResRev.
1: So Brittany, let's let's actually dive into a bit of the building of your minimally viable product. Where you are today in in the app, what has that experience been like? Obviously, you're both leaning on a lot of deep understanding of, I'll just say, the talent acquisition process uh, on both sides. But you know, let's let's. But you're not. Neither one of you come from a, a technology background, and here you are building an app. So let's talk about that experience of what has it been like, sort of building out this new platform.
3: Going back to the very beginning, we actually started and ran a pilot program with a local university and six employer partners in the Charleston, South Carolina area using tools that currently exist. So we used Canva and Google Drive and email where we were communicating back and forth. It was an extremely manual process, but we really wanted to test the video component and make sure that that was something that um, not just job seekers wanted, but that employers wanted and were ready for as well. And so that very early pilot gave us that proof of concept. Everyone who participated in it said that they much preferred using um, videos to convey their message and also viewing videos instead of the traditional resume. So from there, we started building the very, very first um, web-based version of ResRev. We had two transitioning service members donate their time as they were graduating the Microsoft Software Academy. And this was kind of like a project for them to work on and test their knowledge. And um, they did create an application. It did not work in the way that we needed it to. So it was a really good learning experience for everyone and gave us a really deeper understanding of what's really involved in the technology side and knowing that we needed to have a more robust technology team to help us really build and develop the application to communicate via video the way that we wanted. So then in the fall... We actually um, employed a part-time software developer who has built the very first um, usable version of our web-based application for ResRev, and that has been a phenomenal experience. We have learned a lot. Laura, as you mentioned, Jackie and I are both non-technical, so we have learned a whole new language, um, which has just been great. And. Our web-based version of ResRev now is usable. We have about 115 users currently on the platform, and they're able to interact with one another. They're able to share videos back and forth and view videos of both candidates and employers. So we're really excited about that and continuing to collect feedback throughout the soft launch period. Um, And what's next is we're actually going to be developing the mobile-first version of our application, so a fully-fledged uh, mobile application that'll be available on the App Store, both the Apple App Store and the Google App Store. And it'll have a much more robust user interface. It'll have video editing capabilities and user analytics and interactive coaching built within the application as well.
1: Well, and I love that your your proof of concept was, you know, like
3: four or five
1: different pre-existing things out there that that you could use to sort of just, again, test whether or not your users would, you know, adopt something that was maybe more sophisticated down the road. But I guess I feel like people are so, um, enamored or feel like this immediate need to go hire a, an engineer to go build the app and and that be their initial proof of concept. Like, did you all have that same kind of urge or did you have advice as someone telling you, no, like maybe you could hack it together this way. You don't have to spend the money. Like, like why, like even like, that pre-step, like what kept you from immediately going to the app version first?
3: I think one of the biggest pieces for us were that we were committed to starting this business debt-free. And that's a really difficult thing to do, especially in the technology world, um, because it does take a lot of money to build an application. And so before we started investing or putting any funds to anything, we said, we really need to test this idea first. We need to test it and validate it that it's something that customers would actually want and actually use before we go out and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars building an application only to then find out that it's not what people want. So that was one of the early pieces of advice that we got was, you know, make sure that you're testing your product first and validating it with customers before you go out and spend a ton of money building something.
1: And so like that, that advice, I think that it specifically come from something which I had never heard of personally, but the, what was like a pop-up business school? Is that like, what, what was that?
3: Yeah. So I, I had the privilege of attending a pop-up business school that was actually in Charleston, South Carolina in February of 2020. Um, actually shortly before the coronavirus pandemic shut down in-person events. Um, and that was one of their biggest, um, I guess, ploys that they had, or one of their biggest ideas that they shared with founders is, One, they were extremely motivational, but two, they were really committed to doing business in a disruptive and untraditional way. So the traditional model usually says, oh, you know, you go to business school, you get a business degree, and then you go to the SBA and you get a loan, you write a business plan. um, Then you take that money from the loan and you start investing it into building your product and getting it out there, getting marketing and that sort of thing. The way that the pop-up business school taught it was, a little bit differently, they said, you know what, validate your idea first, make sure that you have a viable business, because you don't have a business until you have a customer. That's really the definition of of having a business that works. And so that was part of the advice that we had was, you know, let's go out here, let's test this, let's make sure that it works. And then we can go in and build and develop something that's more robust and actually the way that we want it to be.
2: And to weigh into that as as well, I would also add that, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that we did it the way that we did, because it also forced us to really be clear about what it is that we were trying to do, because we had to create the initial version of it ourselves with tools that already existed that forced us to to really be intentional with what it was we were trying to bring into the world. I think it can be easier if you go out and hire someone else to to kind of give more vague ideas about what it is you're looking for and, you know, maybe rely on someone else more to to paint that vision for you. But it helped us to really set the tone for the vision, the mission, and where we want our app to go.
1: And so were you surprised by
2: anything that came out of that initial testing? Uh, I was sort of surprised. We expected some... I guess, um, change management when it comes to making videos for folks and talking about themselves. We expected more of that to be on the employer side and less so on the job seeker side. Right now, our target market is emerging workforce, uh, the Gen Z generation, folks that are just graduating from high school, college, looking to get into the workforce. And we thought that there would be more confidence when it came to creating videos. But what we learned is... um, for the most part, most of our users in this pilot shared that they expressed some fear or trepidation around putting themselves on video. And they wanted more assurance and coaching and support to make sure that their video, when they put it out there, was going to paint them in the best light. So that was a surprise for me.
1: And so are you all addressing that in, in
2: any way? Or is that something you plan to do in the future? Like, how are you helping ease that angst? So right now, what we're doing at the stage of the app that we're in is we're providing direct coaching support for our users. So we'll be able to give them the space to set up appointments with us, to have 15, 20 minute calls to help them map out what it is they want to say, to help them um, to, to watch their videos and give them feedback on it. Just give that direct, more manual support, more traditional career coaching services so that they can get on the platform create their video resume, or we call it a res, and feel like they're making a strong first impression to employers. In the future, what we're working on now as we switch from the web-based app to the mobile-based app is in-app coaching. So not having to necessarily hop on a coaching call with someone, but have the app tell you certain certain things to improve your presence online ways to say things better how to improve your actual physical presence on the software and that in-app coaching is something we think is going to be a game changer for folks just in general in the hiring space when it comes to the way that they talk about themselves and their experience to stand out to employers
3: yeah and we've tried to be really intentional to help people feel like they're set up for success so in addition to the coaching components we also we know that different people learn in different ways so we've provided prompts with scripts on what to say to help them feel confident if they start their video and they're like, I have no idea, what am I even supposed to say to an employer on this video? So we, we provide them with a prompt um, to help guide them in that process. We also provide sample videos as well. So they have the opportunity to see, um, you know, what a res looks like, what a rec for an employer, their video, requis- uh, video requisition, what that looks like and how do I put my best foot forward on video? What does that look like? So we provided that as well in addition to the coaching components.
1: So, that, I mean, you kind of touched on this a little with, you know, the individualized coaching is is really hard to scale, I would think. So let's talk about your business model, at least as of today. I know that inevitably because you're so early stage, this will change. But like as of today, who who is really your customer? Is it more of the Gen Zers? Is it the employer? Is it is it both? Like how is that working? How how are you anticipating
2: actually making money? We plan to market to job seeker users first, our emerging workforce And the more job seekers we have on the platform, the more that will entice paying employer customers to come onto the platform. Our target employer customer are medium-sized businesses. At this time, we do see the scaling to uh, small businesses, enterprise level, and more. Uh, But we think our bread and butter is going to be the medium-sized business group. We do have some interest from some employers right now that fit into this particular category. And so the goal is to have, um, when we do have the mobile version of the app available, to have some of those employers already on the platform ready to go. So that'll entice some of those job seeker users to come on and adopt. And then we can continue to market to more job seeker users to then increase the desire for more employers to come on you know we have that chicken and the egg question you know a two-way marketplace how are you going to get people to adopt and so that's our plan really going for the job seekers first to bring the uh paying employer customers on
1: and so i guess you know it sounds like the that generation is already like you've said hacked TikTok, using TikTok for, as an outlet for this Why not just keep doing that? Why use your platform over just blasting it out on
2: TikTok like they are? So we believe that there are several gaps that TikTok has left out right now. And one of them is user privacy and control. With ResRev, we want to give our users full ownership over who can see their videos, when they can see their videos, how their videos are displayed. And that's something that we have not seen TikTok do. We also have not seen TikTok create an opportunity for employers to make the kind of video job requisitions that we're creating for them. It's been more focused on, with their pilot that they did in the summer of uh, 2021, it's been more focused on the job seekers creating videos.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I would add to that too, that TikTok is primarily an entertainment platform. It is not a job search platform. So a lot of people don't think TikTok when they think about job search or hiring. Um, we did have that kind of aha moment from seeing those Gen Zers go to TikTok, but that I think really was because they didn't have any other options, you know, and they really needed a way to kind of get their story out there and get seen and noticed by employers. And that was the medium that they had at that point. So we think that this application is really necessary to help fill some of those gaps.
1: So do you have any concerns of like LinkedIn? coming in and doing something very similar? Because unless I'm wrong, is there anything super proprietary yet? Or is this a first to market kind of
3: competition? Like any concerns? Like it, like how are you dealing with that? So LinkedIn is really a, a very text heavy platform and they really have not yet shown the potential to attract the emerging workforce Gen Z to their platform. If you look at, you know, the generational cohorts that are on LinkedIn, it's primarily Gen X and Millennials. That are currently on the platform. So, um, you know, there is, of course, always the opportunity for another company to come in and do exactly what you're doing. There's always that risk, especially as you start putting your idea out there, that, oh, well, you know, this is such a great idea. Someone else might take it and do it first. Um, And you know what? That's okay because we have some incredible ideas and think that what we're building is going to be really special. And we're really building it intentionally to make sure that we are filling the gaps that exist in the current market. Hiring and job searching has been a struggle for a long time, and it's been a struggle for a reason. And we've had the fortunate ability to be on both sides of that spectrum, both as job seekers and as hiring managers and recruiters, helping to not only look for jobs for ourselves and even help family members, but also helping to place people in positions as well. So that kind of gives us a unique view and a unique qualification to help build this application in a way that. You know, a lot of people have not had that experience with. Like
2: Brittany mentioned, LinkedIn is still very much a text heavy platform. It, uh, it does do an amazing job of connecting folks in the professional space, but what we're proposing is a video based mobile app. And that is something that LinkedIn has not been able to do. And we believe that we have um, the strategy to do that and to do that effectively. One thing that we're both very concerned about is equity. In hiring and video with that there could be the risk of introducing more implicit bias into the process but the way that we've designed our app is to have it be very much an equity first uh, lens that we're using so when folks first come on the platform they don't necessarily see other people's videos right away when they're searching for a job or for a candidate what they see are what we call the facts first so they see some quick pop-outs, kind of highlighting a candidate's qualifications or an employer's uh, job credentials. And it's not in a text-heavy way like a LinkedIn might be. These are just kind of the quick, easy-to-read pop-outs so that you can get the facts first and then move forward with clicking to watch the video and interacting with and meeting the person so that's something else we haven't seen any of our competitors doing there's there's still some white space here when it comes to this particular type of hr software there are other smaller software companies that are starting up similar to what we're doing they're trying to make these video resume platforms even two-way having employers making videos too, but this is another um, approach that we have not seen done. We haven't seen this DEI uh, equity first uh, lens being woven into the DNA of their software. So we think that's something else that's gonna set us apart. This engaging video-based mobile-first, equity-first approach is something that unique that we bring to the table.
3: Yeah, and LinkedIn and TikTok, if you've ever used any of those platforms, you know that anything that you post on there is totally public, and that's one of the top ways that they've made money is to sell user data. Um, so this would be a really different approach if LinkedIn were to take this idea and have that equity piece, have that privacy piece. Um, so it's just not something that we see happening. But that's that's another differentiator that we have too is giving users back that control, like Jackie mentioned earlier, on the privacy side of things, so that everything just isn't out there for the public.
1: Well, so let's let's take a few minutes then and and talk about the user experience. Since your your key market for now is, um, you know, Gen Zers, like what's that like? Let's talk. Let's walk us through. I download the app.
2: Then what? Right now, the app is only available. Via web, so they would go to the website and they can access it from their phone. You can you can certainly have a, an app-like experience by going to to via the web and and looking at it on your phone. Uh, it's very easy to sign up. We ask for very little personally identifiable information. That's another thing we believe that you shouldn't have to you know, give us your firstborn child's name, you know, and all this other stuff just to sign up for for our app. And then there's just a couple of quick questions you answer just to give us more of a sense of your experience, what it is you're looking for and where you're at in your career. And once you're able to do that, then we give you, as Brittany mentioned before, the prompts or the scripts to help you to talk about yourself in 30 seconds or less, to do your video job, elevator pitch, letting an employer know who you are and why they should hire you. And once you've been able to answer those questions, make your video, you're on the platform. You can start searching for open positions and you can meet employers, the people that are directly looking to hire. You can hear from them about what it is they're looking for, why you should work for them, and then you can interact with them directly. You don't have to wait to be reached out to, you can simply send them your res or your video resume. You can request, um, an interview, like an informational interview. You can request information for the future. If maybe this job isn't the right fit for you, but you want to stay in touch, you can, you can stay on their radar and, and try to find out more information about them and their company. And then if you do send them this, this res or the video resume, you can tailor it because you've made that initial video when you first came on the platform. It's, it's not going to be custom to any one employer, but when you do find that one employer that you like, and you want to take it to the next step you can tailor and say, hey, Laura, I saw that you're hiring for a podcast producer position. I would love to work with you. I think I'd be a great fit and here's why. And that definitely makes it a more personal touch and it makes a stronger impression on the employer and maybe helps them to see you in that position. Whereas if you just sent them a traditional resume, that message might get lost in translation.
3: The only thing I would add is that job seeker users also have the ability to add like a full library of experience videos and the videos are 30 seconds or less. So they're very short clips, but with the prompts, we really help them be intentional with what they share so that they're sharing the information that an employer needs to hear. And they're really helping to hone in on, you know, what did you learn from this experience? Um, Why should you hire me? And so they're explaining that to the employer. And we found that those conversations and those topics are really valuable.
1: I I love that you two are trying to bootstrap the business. because I feel like so many founders almost lust after, you know, risk capital and, you know, Shark Tank really glamorizes the whole thing. And, but it sounds like, you know, you two are really starting to hit the road and and getting some experience with some different pitch events. Let's like, what's that been like?
3: It has been an incredible experience. We actually just got back this weekend from Dallas, Texas, where we were there pitching live in person at the lion's den. And we had this incredible opportunity to pitch not only once, but twice while we were there, we pitched at diversity den and then their main stage event on April 13th and 14th, respectively. And we had this opportunity to not only share about our business and the stage that we're at, but also to have intentional conversations with investors. And we even had um, dinner with investors where we had like all these networking events and we were able to answer more um, deep dive type questions from them and really help build those relationships. We actually have, um, in August, we did the Stella Labs Women's Fast Pitch event where we won audience choice. And that was really exciting for us. That one was on Zoom. Um, so that was kind of more of what we're used to. So having the lion's den in person was really exciting. Okay. I have,
1: I have a really random question. Like since you all are both sort of new to the whole startup world, do you feel like you have imposter syndrome, especially like, you know, as you're sitting at the table with like, you know, investors and techies, like, do you feel like, do you feel like you found your people or do you still feel
2: like, Oh, I shouldn't be here? (laughs) Uh, Yes, (laughs) there there has definitely been imposter syndrome um, abounding. But one thing that we have learned throughout this process is how to work through that much better than we did in the past, even in other positions that we've had or other challenging things that we faced. I I think that the imposter syndrome has really shown up in a bigger way, at least for me um, on this entrepreneurial journey. All the it's almost like all the, the things that you were worried about um are augmented <laughs> or can be augmented and, and you have to you have to face those. Um what's helped me is the entrepreneur community. In the Charleston area, there's a lot of amazing resources, a lot of amazing people that um, have been a part of my journey. Um, One Million Cups Charleston has been a really great community to be part of, just a group of other entrepreneurs that are trying to help each other succeed. And they've all faced on, imposter syndrome at some point in their career. So being able to be with them and support each other and, and talk about you know, what we're worried about has been helpful. Charleston Women in Tech, their whole thing, Over the next few years is to help promote leadership for women in particular in the tech space. So kind of addressing that head on and owning that it can be more challenging for women to feel confident, especially in spaces that are more traditionally male and to come to the table um, and want to be in more of a leadership role. So being part of that community has been um, powerful. And there have been other amazing resources to take advantage of too, like being at the Charleston Tech Center has been great uh, for us. We were awarded the first ever diversity initiative award uh, for the Charleston Tech Center. So we were able to have office space uh, at the center, access to mentorship and access to their curriculum that they offer on site. So we've met other folks who have started many startups (laughs) in the past or have been in the space for years and have gotten some great advice and encouragement. From them, um, another thing too, kind of th- that's been helpful is just more self-awareness and more education around why maybe some of the imposter syndrome might be occurring. Um, it's it's definitely a fact that you know females um, tend to be asked more prevention questions rather than promotion questions. I don't know if if, if you're familiar with that, but um, a prevention question is is more so. Um, It's a question that's it's more negatively hinted at, like something you might have more of a barrier to answering the question or you might not. It might be intended to get more of a negative response out of you versus a promotion question is one that's a little bit more has a more positive slant, um, such as, oh, you've reached a lot of milestones. How are you going to keep reaching those milestones or how are you going to keep achieving? Tell us more about what that success looks like. So, um, recognizing and understanding that those kind of questions exist and being able to identify the difference has been helpful. So not only do I know what those questions are, but have are better prepared to answer them and can speak about myself and my business with a lot more success, regardless.
3: When you are in this space and you're starting something new, something that someone else has never done, of course, you're gonna feel a little bit like an imposter because no one's walked that road yet. You don't know what that's supposed to look like. You don't have all the answers and you're actively learning that along the way. So it's some serious OTJ, on-the-job training that you're going through. Um, but having that ability to just really take those questions head on and learn what you don't know, right? And a lot of times we don't know what we don't know until we get to that point. And so really figuring out what are those questions? What are those things that I need to know? How do I overcome that? And, and Jackie and I even had a moment where we were talking we said, did you ever think that you would say, oh yeah, I'm flying out west to Dallas, Texas to pitch my <laughs> tech startup to a group of investors. What? That sounds crazy. You know, if you had told us a year ago that's what we would be doing, we'd be like, oh, okay, maybe, I don't know. But you know, now it's real life. And so you kind of overcome that imposter syndrome in a way when it starts to become more real and you start um, really just diving into your dream and making that a reality. And, and that's actively in the space where we're at now. And it's really cool to see that happen.
1: When it sounds like for both of you, you would echo... That, you know, the money, yeah. every startup industry does need money, but really what you're needing first and foremost was a community and an ongoing community to engage with. And, um, in fact, I really, on a, on a personal note, that's something I really hammer with a lot of my, even my stakeholders that are, you know, we're looking at how we make the state better and things like that. I'm like, it's really not as complicated. It's actually more about getting out of their way and allowing them to gather in a way that they need, um, Anyways, that's a whole other podcast episode on of itself, but I, I really appreciate you all sort of owning that you've had to go through this growth experience of feeling part of a tribe.
3: Yeah, it takes a village. It absolutely does. So, and we're just so blessed and grateful that we have many incredible people who have come alongside and supported us on this journey and still continue to. And that has been just one of the greatest gifts that we could have ever asked for and something that we never expected.
1: Okay, listeners, you've heard it from two active founders right now that, first of all, all you need are some existing tools to get yourself going. And then on top of that, you might not even really need a lot of money. What you need more of that are the people around you to really help you push the idea forward. And so, ladies, I really wish you the best of luck. I'm so happy to hear that you are really finding those people, that you're surrounding yourselves with the people that you need. And I can't wait to see where you go from here.
0: Okay, thank you for listening to Becoming the Origin Story. I'm the host of Of Note, Joseph Nother, uh, and I want a special thanks to Laura McIntosh for hosting this mini-series with these founders and entrepreneurs. Original music is by Matt Honkinen. We are produced and edited by Hunter Foster. And additional thanks to Robin Hendricks with SC Commerce.